This episode is brought to you by Catan. This summer looks a bit different than most summers. We're staying at home for the most part, and we're finding ourselves looking for new activities to enjoy at home. Catan is a board game for three to four players, ages 10 and up, although younger kids can play with adult guidance. It is a great way to keep families engaged in off screens, even if it's just for a little while. And those opportunities are hard to come by. And it's really easy to pick up. Get Catan at CatanShop.com slash mom. Listeners of our podcast get 10% off the original base game Catan by using the promo code mom at checkout. Offer not good on other Catan titles or merchandise. Xfinity XFi is more than just fast. It's internet that gives you peace of mind security. Because if it's connected, it's protected. Yeah, even your robot vacuum. Can your internet do that? Learn more at Xfinity.com slash XFi. Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Caroline. Or should I say, hey, ladies, welcome to the podcast. Hey, ladies. Ladies. Uh, we are going to talk about ladies, ladies, ladies today. As Well, we always talk about ladies. We always talk about ladies, but uh, today we're actually talking about calling you ladies. And if, if that's okay, is that okay? I hope it's okay because, hey, ladies is what our sminty tote bags say. Right. So, uh, you know, if... if we can't then i'm going to have to i'm going to have to make some holes in some tote bags i know and then it won't tote anything it, it will only tote very small things or one large thing yeah. that won't slip through exactly but anyway but anyway uh this topic came from a listener letter uh which once we read it we were like oh my god this is a great topic of conversation why haven't we t- talked about this before it was a listener writing in saying that she finds herself calling, referring to herself and to her friends who are girls or girlfriends as ladies and how she knows that her second wave feminist mother would be horrified by the thought. She was saying that growing up in her household, lady and especially ladylike were bad words. Oh, for sure. And I and I totally get that. The whole the whole uh explanation around that kind of generational difference. I know my mother, who was part of no wave, uh calls herself a girl, calls her friends girls. I mean she's in her you know, she's in her mid sixties. But what about lady? Lady? No. I do definitely use the term lady. I think of it as a term of endearment. And I I totally get that it probably has ironic roots. Uh, um, among our generation. But yeah, I totally use the word lady as kind of a term of endearment. Yeah. And there's been a lot of talk of this resurgence of lady and ladies, mm-hmm. particularly among our generation of women. You have Lady Gaga, for instance, uh, 2008, the Beyonce single, all the single ladies, which will now be stuck in my head for the rest of the day. For sure. Then there's more recently the book of Jezebel, which su- is subtitled The Encyclopedia of Lady Things. And over at the New Republic, there uh, is the journalist Anne Friedman, who posits that lady, the word lady, the term, is kind of serving the purpose of filling that limbo space between girlhood and womanhood. Maybe it's a softer term. It's more all-encompassing for our generation. And it fits well with the Britney Spears 2002 song, 
uh, not a girl, not yet a woman. Well, yeah, and also think about for guys, mm-hmm. they have guys. Yeah. You don't have to say choose between calling a group of adult males boys or men, right? Or boys to men, boys to men. Huh. Uh, but whereas with adult women in particular, you have the more formal women, mm-hmm. and it does feel formal to say hello, women. Yeah, even though that's proper. But at the same time, girls <laughs> can be infantilizing, particularly right. if it's not a girlfriend you're talking to. Right. And I do have to make a conscious effort to try to stay away from saying girls or, oh, I was hanging out with this girl or, oh, I know this girl. It's just, it's second nature. It just comes out of my mouth like that. And I, and I absolutely recognize that I, I should get away from that. And so in a way, lady helps out. It's sort of the, uh, the female analog to guy. Right. But let's go back in time. Let's unload this very old and loaded term that is lady because uh, we'll lead up to why people of, say, our, our listeners, mother's generation who went through the women's liberation movement might not take so kindly to ladies. Right. I love I love etymology in general, but I love the origins of the word lady. Okay, so it emerges around the year 1200 from the Old English term meaning, quote, mistress of a household, wife of a lord. Okay, that makes sense, right? sure. But it's literally taken from the word for a woman who needs bread, also loaf eater. And, of course, I immediately saw that more like woman who needs requires bread because she likes the tasty snack. Not kneading as Not, in massaging the dough. Yeah, with your hands. When I told dude roommate about that, he was like, oh, who needs it? Like, loves bread. And I was like, no. Although, Pushing it around with your hands. Although, side note on how delicious bread is and women's issues with bread these days. Oh, Lord. I know. With my thyroid stuff, though, I'm trying to cut back on gluten and it is a tragedy. Yeah. Maybe that's another episode. Bread. It's all about <laughs> ladies and bread, ladies and croissants. Um, yeah, I I really love that image of women historically just hanging around massaging balls of dough. Uh, but then once you get into the early 14th century, there's a chivalry twist on it. So you have lady implying a woman as an object uh-oh, of chivalrous love. Hmm. And the 1580s, that's when we see the term ladylike emerge. So we can we can pin a lot of bad things to the 1580s. Uh, in 1784, the term ladies man emerges. Hello. Hello. Ye old ladies man. And then by the late 1800s, lady has been commonly adopted as a term of address for a woman. And it specifically, though, suggests, quote, a woman whose manners and sensibilities befit her for high rank in society. So there's a lot tied up with lady in terms of class, social rank, and even implied among that, talking about race as well. Right. And back around this time in 1895, Ladies Home Journal looks into this issue and decrees that woman meant merely an adult female of the human race, lady meant someone well-born and consequently well-bred. In other words, lady grew to mean a woman plus education, refinement, dignity, and culture. And so from that, people might think, well, what's wrong with lady? What wouldn't, what woman wouldn't want to be considered uh, an educated, refined, culturally astute woman, lady? 
Well, probably women who don't want to be pigeonholed and forced to act in a certain way. Yeah, because that's the thing. If you think about agency in lady and how that's constructed, being ladylike, I imagine a woman sitting with her hands in her lap and Mm -hmm. her ankles crossed. Whereas if you look, for instance, at Lord, the, you know, the male analog to lady, it's very active. It literally means going back to the dough kneading and all these bread, bread words. It literally comes from a word meaning one who guards the loaves. Hmm. So the lords are doing the loaf guarding <laughs> and the ladies are doing the loaf kneading and eating. I love it. Yeah. But yeah, so so you can see uh, right there that there is a, an active role and a more passive submissive role tied up in this whole lady business. Um, and Elizabeth Reed Boyd in her book, Lady, still a feminist four letter word, highlights the double bind, basically, uh, of being put up on a pedestal. And yet still expected to be that submissive character. Yeah, linguist Robin Lakoff, who we cited before in the podcast, wrote a paper all about this in 1975 called Language and Women's Place. And it comes up a lot, this paper does, in this uh, conversation around women in more of a feminist context. Because Lakoff writes, quote, if she refuses to talk like a lady, she's ridiculed and subjected to criticism as unfeminine. If she does learn, she is ridiculed as unable to think clearly, unable to take part in a serious discussions, in some sense, as fully less than human. Right, exactly. And she also points out that the the word lady is tied into uh, job titles that, uh, you know, traditionally are more blue collar. Uh, and this, she says, underscores their low status. Things like cleaning ladies, garbage ladies, lunch ladies, etc. And she says, hey, there is no there's no equivalent for men. You don't have a garbage gentleman. Right. You just have a garbage man. Right. Garbage man. John garbage man. John garbage man or a salesman. So this is one of the main reasons that this more recent reclamation of lady by millennials, and we'll talk to this. This actually isn't as new as we might think, um, but this reclamation of lady is upsetting to second waivers, some second waivers at least, like Robin Lakoff, because in the pursuit of women's rights and gender equality in the 1960s and 70s, part of that was actively striving to get rid of the term lady. They did not want to be referred to as ladies because of all of those passive connotations. Mm -hmm. Right. And Lakoff was quoted in stories about this recently. And, you know, they were like, well, you wrote all this stuff about language, about women. You know, what do you think about this, this upsurge in calling women ladies or women calling each other that? And she said, I, you know, alarm bells go off. It's, it's something that in my generation, we always considered considered it a problem. We had to overcome it. We had to get rid of that word. And now our daughters and granddaughters are throwing it around, basically. Right. She was basically saying, if you had been around 40 years ago and walked in our shoes and bell bottoms, <laughs> you'd get what we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, Gloria Steinem also has been quoted as talking about how she has a fear of, quote unquote, looking ladylike. It's like one of one of the worst possible things. Um, and then interviewing feminist writer Katha Pollitt for her New Republic piece. And Friedman quotes her saying that ladies, like lady parts, lady business, lady writer, etc., started out as quite humorous and ironic, but overuse has made it cliched and affected. Hmm. I don't know. Do you agree? 
I mean, I think it's definitely everywhere. But I mean, Catholic is another person of like Robin Lakoff mm-hmm. and Gloria Steinem's generation who has been around to see this evolution of Lady from being a mantle that they cast off actively mm-hmm. to being one that you and I now casually adopt. Right. But I'm wondering, like, I wonder if we can think of this in a parallel way to remember when we did our episode on Upspeak. Yes. You know, and how both men and women of kind of of all ages, but really of kind of older generations, look at that as a an immature way of young women and younger generations speaking, even though it's not really confined to just young women. I wonder if it's being dismissed as affected or cliched because younger women have embraced the use of the word lady. Right, because I can understand how using lady and upspeak all the time can seem like huh. maybe it's undercutting yourself. <laughs> there you go. You see what I'm saying? But I do think there are still some holdovers, lady holdovers, that could be considered problematic still today. For instance, there was a column in USA Today by Christine Brennan talking about how we need to retire lady from sports team names. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, the University of Tennessee has the Lady Vols Mm -hmm. or you have the LPGA Tour. I mean, these aren't ladies out on the basketball court. And (laughs) yeah, they're not still wearing their woolen skirts that fall to the fall to their shoes. Right. Yeah. These are these are athletes. These are women who could snap me in half and beat me up if they wanted to. Like these these people are are accomplished athletes. Yeah. Well, and and so that's the case where it's that more formalized use Mm -hmm. of lady. That that seems like something that's okay to get mad about. You know, as far if we're talking about the, you know, using the term lady and when and how to use it. It seems almost dismissive and, you know, like you're patting me on the head for being a, a tennis player or a golfer. Um, you know, I want to be if I'm a professional freaking athlete, I want you to call me a woman. I'm a woman. It's, it almost seems like labeling me like a ladies tennis player. That's I'm I'm just going to eat cucumber sandwiches all day. Well, it's the whole thing, too. If you're a professional athlete, you probably just want to be called an athlete or yeah. a tennis player. Sure. Rather than a lady whatever. Yeah. Or a woman whatever. And there's this blog called Female Science Professor. Um, she talked to a bunch of her students about this topic. And it really her blog post really highlighted the, the generational divide, I think, in this argument. Because a lot of the women in her classes, the ladies in her classes, in their 20s and 30s, women who are smart, accomplished, savvy, all of that great stuff, they still call themselves girls. They call their friends girls. And not only that, but they think of their male peers as guys or the boys. You know, and these are women who are smart. You know, these are are women that she came to to be like, okay, what what do you think? You know, I I trust you to be smart women and give me a smart answer. And they're like, yeah, you know, we really don't think of it like that. Whereas the the blogger, the female science professor, um, said, well, I must be in an in between generation then because my my grandmother and my my older aunt. They call themselves the girls. They call their friends the girls. Whereas I um, am of this generation where, you know, that's just not what you do. Yeah. I mean, and, and you could look at that, too, in the context, kind of like with athletics, where STEM is another area, as we've talked about so many times now on the podcast, where even today it's often more male dominated. Right. And so especially in environments like that. You, there's usually been historically more of a persistent struggle to shirk off those female specific 
identifiers. Sure, yeah. And she points out that, and some of her commenters also point out that one of the problems is not so much women calling each other girls or ladies, but when you have male faculty who are calling their female students the girls and their male students men or young men, things like that. Yeah, I mean, I feel like girls is almost a whole other conversation because I have no problem usually with men, even if I don't know them, and even in professional contexts, referring to women as ladies. Mm-hmm. But if I don't know you, and especially in a professional context, if you call me a girl, I will not be happy about that. Yeah, And absolutely. I might say something to you about that. Yeah. Um, so just a little side note. So in our conversation up to this point, we've been talking about this reclamation of lady as kind of a given fact as something that has already happened. And going into this episode research, I assumed that the whole lady fest going on was a more recent product, maybe um, perpetuated by the lady blogs like mm-hmm. Jezebel, the gloss, the hairpin, etc. But it's actually been happening for a lot longer so we're going to get into that reclamation of Lady, how it happened, and who really started it when we come right back from a quick break. This episode is brought to you by Quip. When's the last time you got rewarded for brushing your teeth? With Quip's new smart electric toothbrush, good habits can earn you great perks like free products, gift cards, and more. The Quip Smart Brush for adults and kids connects to the Quip app with Bluetooth so you can track when you're brushing, get tips, you can earn points, and you can redeem those points for rewards. Already have a Quip? Upgrade it with a smart motor and keep the features you know and love. And beyond the brush, Quip has everything you need to build a complete routine. Equal-friendly solar battery charger to power your Quip with sunshine and the refresh bag to bring you good oral care habits everywhere you go. Plus, you can get brush head, toothpaste, and floss refills delivered from $5. And shipping is free. How smart is that? Start getting rewards for brushing your teeth today and go to getquip.com slash stuffmom right now to get your first refill free. That is your first refill free at getquip.com slash stuffmom. Spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash stuffmom. Quip, better oral health made simple and rewarding. This episode of Stuff I Never Told You is brought to you by Catan. This summer looks a lot different than most. We're staying at home for the most part, and many events we usually look forward to are canceled. We find ourselves looking for new activities to enjoy at home. Catan is a board game for three to four players ages 10 and up, although many younger kids can play with initial adult guidance. It's a great way to keep families engaged and off screens, even if it is just for a little while. And those opportunities are hard to come by. Unlike the roll your dice, move your mice games, this is a little different. What are your experiences? The first time I played Catan was at our office game night, and it was so fun. It was quick to pick up. It was easy. It was social. We made it really competitive because we're a competitive group, but you don't have to. And what I thought was just going to be a, a short game among friends turned into an epic game night that we shall remember forever. <laughs> hours we played, hours. And uh, yes, I lost, but I had fun. You had fun. <laughs> well, obviously it keeps you really social. And like you said, it is really easy to pick up, which is really nice right now. This year is the 25th anniversary of Catan. Get Catan at catanshop.com slash mom. Listeners of the podcast get 10% off the original base game Catan by using the promo code Mom at checkout. Offer not good on other Catan titles or merchandise. And now back to the show. 
So we've given you the history of where lady, the term lady comes from, why people are totally in the right to be upset about the use of the word because it indicates a whole lot of baggage. It's kind of a loaded word. It's very loaded. It's very loaded. But let's, let's move forward into the eighties when the term lady first started to reclaimed. Yeah, this was something that I found over at Idiom Magazine and it talks about how in 1989, Queen Latifah's single, Ladies First, was an early and significant reclamation of the word, particularly considering its racial implications. Because one thing that we haven't really touched on in our conversation about Lady up to this point is how yeah, there's obviously a lot of class tied into it, but there's mm-hmm. also this racial component where a lot of times historically ladies would be wealthy, upper class white women. Right. Yeah. If you th- I know that I have that stereotype when I think of the word lady, not in terms of a term of endearment for my friends, but I, I tend to think of like a Victorian white lady with her hair in a bun. Yeah. And uh, Juliana Escobedo Shepard writing over about this in Rookie Magazine says that it, as in the use of lady in Queen Latifah's Ladies First, democratized the use of the term for black women and also queered the meaning of lady through lyrics and dance that confronted and defied rather than charmed and seduced. And I do want to say as a side note, if you need a little feminist pump up, (laughs) just don't only listen to Ladies First, but watch the video because it is 1989 fantastic. Uh, So that's all. Just, Just my music minute. So in a way, Queen Latifah's Ladies First was almost a dual reclamation because, I mean, if you if you go back into the the racist history of how white society conceptualized black women, particularly in like Reconstruction America, as not ladies at all. I mean, you have the hypersexualization of black men and also the hypersexualization of of black women as well. So um, Elizabeth Boyd writing in Lady, Is It Still a Four-Letter Word? She talks about how the term black lady has been deeply embedded in the cultural imagination as the moral icon of the race, embodying and upholding African-American respectability. So the term lady has been quite significant mm-hmm. in the African-American community. And so then in 1989, when you have Queen Latifah kind of flipping and reversing it to borrow <laughs> Missy Elliott, uh, it was it was pretty significant because, I mean, think about it when she talks about how they are ladies who will kick it with a rhyme that is wicked. I mean, they're like playing with it so much mm-hmm. and using lady not just as this a prim moralizer, but someone who is active and, you know, like Shepard says in Rookie, defying norms and standards rather than following norms. Yeah, lady can be a source of strength. Yeah. You can be a lady and be strong. That That is the new meaning, I would think. Yeah, absolutely. And and certainly Alison Wolf would agree. She is a riot girl. We've talked about the riot girl movement on the podcast before and lead singer of Bratmobile. And she talks about how in her women's studies class during her freshman year of college, she would always use the terms girl or lady in reference to women. And she says, I can't tell you how often I was corrected in class by other females. Finally, I just stood up and said, hey, I'm in my teens and girl is what I choose to call myself. Isn't this about self-representation? Yeah, this was out of an article in Bitch magazine from the early 2000s about 
the reclamation of Lady, but more tying it to Riot Girl because the girl with three R's in Riot Girl is uh, was a more forceful but a similar kind of reclamation, mm-hmm. obviously, of the term girl for feminist uses. And uh, so this article was sort of charting how Riot Girl might have been evolving a little bit perhaps as these riot girls like Allison Wolf were aging into ladies. So the author cites things like Lady Fest, which was the riot girl reunion gathering in Olympia, Washington in 2000. And then you have uh, a riot girl-ish band Slater Kenny in 1999, for instance, with Ballad of a Lady Man. And talking about that queering of the term lady, you also have Mr. Lady, which is a lesbian-run record label. It's tossed around in all sorts of communities now. It's yeah. obviously not just a rich white woman lady sort of tea party word. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's interesting that this is also happening amid uh, discussions of femphobia. You know, we, we've talked about femphobia on the podcast before, and for for women like the riot girls girls to reclaim girl and make it their own for for women to call themselves ladies and reclaim that as a word of strength as a multicultural word of strength not just reserved for upper class elite white ladies uh you know i i think that's also reclaiming uh maybe gender Re- reclaiming uh being a woman and not being afraid of things that are Female and feminine. Yeah. And uh, really quickly, I do want to clarify that when I just said uh, a white tea party word, I was referring to like tea parties with tea and not the political party. <laughs> so not to confuse any listeners. Um, but I, I was surprised to read this quote from a book written by Jennifer Baumgartner and Amy Richards called Manifesta, Young Women, Feminism in the Future that came out in 2000, because again, This is preceding the whole lady blog thing. And they're already at that point talking about how lady is, quote, a casual alternative term for a woman or women, not only those who adhere to prissy white glove, upper crusty stereotypes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think back (laughs) to one of my earliest uses of the word lady. Uh, and clearly I must have had some ideas about what it meant even as a three-year-old. My, uh, I was on a uh, trip with my parents. I, you know, and my, we stop at a uh, grocery store to pick up some food and my dad and I are waiting in the car for my mom to come out and my dad looks over and says, who's that lady? And I stand up in the back seat and I say, that's no lady, that's my mommy. Oh, really? That story doesn't tie into much of anything, but... I was like, but there was a distinction. Yeah, in my little three-year-old brain, I was like, no, that is someone familiar and warm and loving, not a lady, not a lady. Uh, but the the question now, though, is whether or not lady has been fully reclaimed because we still have a lot of women who are not okay with its use at all, and then there are still a lot of women and also guys who use lady in the sense of prescribing women submissive roles, especially when we're talking to little girls about yeah. being ladylike. Oh, yeah. I mean, go back and listen to our, our cursing podcast, Women in Cursing. I mean, that whole thing sprang out of me overhearing a conversation where a woman was talking about how cursing is not ladylike. Right. And not to sound like I'm obsessed with Pinterest or something, but I just uh, pinned this thing the other day for our Stuff Mom Never Told You account and it was, you know, those like inspirational messages that are pinned and oh, yes. they travel very far and wide. Well, there was one about how to be a lady. 
And I thought that it would be ironic or funny or whatever. Oh, no, it was it was legit like wear high heels and RSVP and and all of these weird things. And I just thought I just I literally recoiled and found it gross. Oh, absolutely. There was I mean, you can easily Google how to be a lady. And there are uh, approximately one point five bajillion. Yeah. (laughs) How to posts. Well, can we not? Here's what I would love. Can we not? separate these things how about instead of saying Kristen I really think you need to be better at being a lady and have that be so loaded and mean that you need to like shape up or something can't we just ask people to be polite or like can't we use different terms for this well we can but I mean the fact that we haven't fully reclaimed it's okay well it's interesting that Lady has been reclaimed in this more ironic in-group sense mm-hmm. among particularly women of our generation who self-identify as feminists mm-hmm. because I would posit that women who talk about ladylike and really adhere to things like that pin mm-hmm. of how to be a lady and put on their pearls and high heels, nothing against pearls and high heels, own both of them, but they probably would not self-identify as feminists because mm-hmm. we're still living in a society where bossy is a bad word for women, where lady can mean so many different things. And we are not all on the same page about what a woman should look like and act like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I should go burn my soapbox. <laughs> Excuse me. But I will say that if you are ever wondering what to call a female in front of you, particularly if she is an adult or a group of uh, adult females, lady is so much better than girl. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, just remember the context you're in. When Krista and I were looking up stuff to talk about in this episode, I came across so many like etiquette advice columns where men were honestly saying, I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to offend someone no matter what I say. What should I call the women I work with. And it's like, really? I mean, just just you use your sense. Think about it. It's it's weird, probably, to start uh, an email to your colleague saying, hey, girls or hey, women. Both right. of those sound pretty, pretty strange. You could just say good morning. Yeah, we there's the, you know, the old standby of first names. Right. Uh, but that gets clunky. I mean, but that's also where it, the fact that we have the word guys. Mm-hmm. It's so much easier. That's why I also sometimes refer to groups of women as guys. Yeah, you know, sure. it's almost becoming interchangeable because there isn't a convenient and unloaded in between mm-hmm. word for women, which is quite curious if you think about it. Interesting. And why is that? But uh one quick question though, before we wrap up, Caroline, is lady better than ma'am? Oh, well, I mean I guess that depends on who you're referring to. Okay, if, uh, how do you feel about guys in particular referring to women as ma'am? I, cause from, I, <laughs> sorry. I think it's, I think it's a lot older. Yeah. I feel like with that one, you get into the, the tricky age. Yeah. Problem. I know my mother isn't a fan of it, which yeah. is interesting. But then again, she also prefers to call herself and her friends girls. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think for the, again, for the in-group thing, Referring to, I refer to girlfriends of mine as girls or girl. Mm-hmm. Hey, girl. Mm-hmm. Hey, lady. 
Well, now we want to hear from ladies listening and gentlemen. Gentlemen, we also want to hear from you. That's right. Yeah. What do you what do you call yourself, your mother, your girlfriends? Yeah. And how what, what do we where do we go from here too, though, Caroline? Because in a way, lady has been reclaimed for feminist purposes, but there is still so much of that old guard, all that loaf kneading and eating still <laughs> happening. So do we just keep calling each other ladies and sort of sticking it to the the lady man? I mean, I'm fine. I'm fine with it. <laughs> I'm fine with lady too. <laughs> I, 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 I think it's, it's totally fine. And I, I appreciate the implied, uh, endearment. But I do, I think it says a lot though about where we are at this in between phase, mm-hmm. perhaps even of feminism in general, of moving on from maybe the more serious and, and that might rub some people the wrong way, but a little more serious second wave women's lib era where there was no there was so much progress that needed to be made there was no room for irony mm-hmm. and now we've got mm-hmm. a little room for it but we haven't come all the way yet sure this episode is brought to you by china the china brand provides premium disposable tableware to celebrate moments of togetherness yes and right now that is more important than ever especially when we're all apart. So recently I had a group and we had a a socially distanced barbecue where the host drew out circles and chalk that were six feet apart and everyone showed up with their own chairs and beverages. And it was really convenient to have disposable products. And we we just had a a lovely conversation. Um, It was really fun. Yeah. And I'm with the disposable products. I know that the China brand provides durable and trusted products, which I have used before that let you enjoy every moment of the get-togethers and traditional or now not. And there are classic white products that can work for any gathering or cut crystal plates and cups when you want to make something a little extra special. Disposable tableware keeps things simple and cleanup easy. Chinet products are available wherever you buy groceries, including delivery or pickup. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. So we know, listeners, it's been rough for a lot of people out there, and we've been very open about our experiences with therapy and how it's been so helpful for us in the past and in the present. And because of that, we wanted to highlight a service that we think might be of help to you all, BetterHelp, which offers licensed online counselors who are trained to listen and to help. You can talk with your counselors in a private online environment at your own convenience from wherever you're comfortable. And BetterHelp counselors have expertise in a broad range of areas. They can give you access to help that might not be available in your area. And you just have to fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs and then get matched with a counselor in under 48 hours. BetterHelp is an affordable option and our listeners get 10% off your first month with a discount code MOMSTUFF. Get started today at BetterHelp.com slash MomStuff. That's BetterHelp.com slash MomStuff. Talk to a therapist online and get help. So send us all your lady lady thoughts. I notice I didn't say ladylike thoughts. Oh, yeah. yes. Mm. MomStuff at Discovery.com is where you can send your letters. And hey, if you want to see all of the sources we cited for this episode, head on over to StuffMomNeverToldYou.com and click on the podcast link on the homepage. And uh, for with every new episode that we publish, we also include our episode sources so that you can read more about each topic. And we have a couple of letters to share with you right now. 
And fittingly, both of our letters are in response to our episode on women and cursing. So first up, I've got one here from Kim, who writes, Greetings! I recently started listening to your podcast, and I'm already a big fan. Well, thank you, Kim, and welcome to the podcast. She writes, Your podcast on swearing made me think of my coworker who is trying to cut back on cursing. Her four-year-old has been repeating certain embarrassing phrases in public. We work at an interior design firm specializing in corporate office space, and part of our job has us on-site and on the phone with contractors. Since interior design is a field primarily populated by women and construction is a field dominated by men, I think my coworker uses curse words to blend in with our contractors. Curse words have probably been part of her vocabulary for a long time, but my hypothesis is that she curses so contractors take her more seriously. And after seeing her in action, I think that it's effective. So thanks for that workplace observation, Kim. So I have a letter here from Dawn who said that after listening to the Curse of Swearing Women episode, she rushed home to ask her British Icelandic husband if he thinks it's a turnoff when she swears. She says, obviously, if I'm cursing at him, that's another story. But he really thought it was a strange question. He grew up in a rough part of England in Newcastle, and his father literally curses like a sailor because he was one. My non-American husband sees no big deal in women cursing. Is that because he is not from puritanical censored America? I think so. My feeling about swearing in the workplace may be a bit prudish, though. I do not curse and don't like others to curse because I find it unprofessional regardless of gender. I am a teacher, so that brings a different set of expectations to the table, but many of the military parents I meet with bring their four-letter words to school. As long as it's not directed at me, I cope, but I am not comfortable swearing at work because I have a professional persona that I like to maintain. Once I leave work, that's another story. I love swearing and expletives and get a kick out of my kids using taboo words because they always use them correctly. Like the quote-unquote adult words you mentioned that some parents use to label this category of words, we use the term bathroom words for things our youngsters need to say out of public range. They literally are only permitted to use certain words in the bathroom. It works well for our boy and our girl, and the bathroom words include things like stupid and shut up and what the, and other derogatory terms more than so-called bad words. My son grew up with this model and easily transitioned into understanding that some people did not like to hear certain words. So now that he is nine, he knows to check his audience. He knows it is fine to use four-letter words and such with my husband and me, but not when grandma is visiting. He knows to change his language and tone when talking to friends versus teachers. I am confident that as our four-year-old daughter gets older, she too will figure out these nuances. In the meantime, she has been known to curse like a sailor, and my non-American husband and I are fine with that. So thank you very much, Don. Maybe I'll start to use bathroom words, too, just in the bathroom. Well, thanks to everybody who's written in to us. MomStuffAtDiscovery.com is where you can email us. You can also tweet us at MomStuffPodcast or send us a message over on Facebook as well. And hey, for everything stuff Mom Never Told You related, including all of our podcasts, blogs, videos, and links to all of our social media presences, there's one place to go. That's StuffMomNeverToldYou.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, I'm Amy Nelson. And I'm Sam Edis. We're the hosts of iHeart's newest podcast, What's Her Story with Sam and Amy. 
We both have our own businesses, and between us, we have seven children. And since the moment we met, we've been sharing our stories with each other. The thing is, we all know the stories of industry titans like Bezos and Jobs, but the stories of women, they remain incomplete. We ask questions no one else even touches. We are not afraid to get personal. So listen to What's Her Story with Sam and Amy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. In this time of pandemic and revolution, do you find yourself frustrated at high levels of corruption and inequality? At our inability to get basic things done? At the persistence of systemic racism? You're not alone. I'm Baratunde Thurston, author, activist, and comedian. Our democratic experiment is at a tipping point, but which way we tip is up to us. Listen to How to Citizen with Baratunde on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.